our new sermon series is, is focused on becoming the best version of ourselves for the glory of God. And I recommend to you a book that is written, and it's from, this is where I, I took the title for the sermon series. And I'll glean some information. This is written by John Ortberg, who is a wonderful author, a godly man, and a great teacher. And we've used some of his materials for Bible studies before in our church. And I would recommend this book to you if you would want to read it. It is called The Me I Want to Be. And for the month of January, we're going to look at that. We're going to think about what it is to aspire to be, here it is, the best version of ourselves for God's glory. Okay? I keep saying for God's glory because you have a designer and a maker. And if you're going to be the best you you can be, you, you, you have somebody else to live for. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to take a few moments to, to think about or a few weeks to think about how is it that we can see positive changes in ourselves to become what God would have us to be. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. I love this verse. This will be the verse that we will refer to throughout this series. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now this verse has a lot to say about you. It has a lot to say about who you are. As this series continues, we're going to discuss this verse in more detail. But the highlights of what this says about you is this. Number one, you are created by God. Number two, you have a design or God had a design for you. He, he designed you and he has a purpose for you. Number three, the best version of you is found in the good works for God's purposes and design for your life. That's the best that you can be. And number four, again, this is all in God's plan. This is all in God's design for you. God didn't throw you together. God didn't create you randomly. God had a purpose in creating you to be who you are. And all of that notwithstanding, so many people know as they look in the mirror this morning, they know that they're not the best version that they could be of themselves. And there are a lot of people who are discontent with themselves. Sadly, again, in our culture, we live in a culture that causes us to be pretty self-focused. And you saw some of those statistics. They're staggering. Billions of dollars spent on trying to create some better version of ourselves. We we're fixated as a culture on ourselves. But I would ask for us in this series to not think about weight or waistlines or physical appearance at all. I would pray that somehow when we look at ourselves, we would think about the person behind the looks. The person that is looking back at us. And what it is that God ever intended. So... While we are being brutally honest, statistically speaking, some here today saw the me when they looked into the mirror, saw the me I don't want to be. You look at yourself and you look at yourself and the character that you have and your spiritual um, depth 
And you are the me you don't want to be. And I want to think about that. And I want to say to you that if, as you are thinking about yourself this morning, you're not very content with the person you are, that there is um, a longing inside that says, this something's not right about me. I'm not who I want to be, that you're not alone. In fact, I'm going to show you a very brutally honest self-assessment from one of the Hall of Famers in Scripture. I want you to look with me in Romans chapter 7 at a man who God used in a mighty way. But I want us to read this from Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. This is the Apostle Paul speaking of himself. We'll start our reading with verse 14. I would just encourage you read the entire chapter of Romans 7. I don't have time today to read it all with you, but I ask you at least to focus with me on verse 14. Here it is. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. When I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner, the law of sin at work within me, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself and my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. This is the version of Paul that Paul did not want to be. He is looking at himself and he is self-assessing the the propensity he had to not do the good that he wanted to do and he knew he should do. But to do evil, the evil he hated, the evil he didn't want to do. And Paul would look at himself and this was, if you will forgive the terminology this way, this was for Paul, the me I don't want to be. It's who I don't want to be. You know what? I think I'm looking into the face of a whole lot of people who care very much about your relationship with God. I think you love Him. I think that you want to walk with Him. And I think you would agree with Paul that in your heart of hearts, you delight in the law of God. You love pleasing Him. And you like the version of you, you know the best version of you, in fact, is when you are following the will of God and doing the works that God has planned for you. There may be some here who would say, but unfortunately, I relate very well with Paul because I find myself doing and saying things that are anything but godly. And I find myself looking at, my, looking at a, a person who is not the me I want to be. 
And if you are there, let me tell you, I know that that's miserable. I know that that's difficult to to wrestle with sinfulness and wrestle with yourself. And that's what Paul was saying. For him, it was a wretched experience. Let me share the, the verses 21 through 24 from the New Living Translation. Just a different perspective from what Paul wrote. Same scripture, just a New Living Translation. For I have discovered this principle in my life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is in, that is dominated by death or sin and death. And that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? If you are the me, I don't want to be. If you are someone who cares about God and cares about a relationship with him and cares about your character... That's the me you don't want to be. It's not fun. And if we can just, within ourselves, be honest, there's some of us who are right there. We're discontented with who we are. We're not all that pleased. And I... I, I will, I'm laying down some foundation today that I, I promise you this is the hardest of all the messages that I will preach in this series in the sense of how I, I present the word of God to you. But this is where a lot of human beings live. We're like Paul. We feel miserable in it because we are struggling and we don't have victory. When I am not the me I don't want to be, it's painful. And it's amplified because there are times I get a glimpse of the me I want to be, or the best version of me. You see, I'm like Paul. I honestly care about being the best that I can be for the glory of God. And I feel like Paul when I fail to be so. It's misery. So what must most of us do? I mean, after we look at ourselves and we assess ourselves and we find ourselves struggling like this, well, hopefully all of us will learn some things during these next few weeks that will help. Today, I want to lay down some groundwork for us to stand on as we aspire to become the best version of ourselves that God would have us to be. And There's going to be three steps that I'm going to present to you as we proceed forward in this series. Step one is for us to face the facts. Step one, face the facts. And let me share some of those facts. Let me just stop for a second and say, you know, one of the issues that a lot of people have is that they they live in a lie. They 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 deny what is true for themselves. And when if you're not honest and you don't accept what is true, then you have no opportunity to become the best version of you. So an honest assessment is needed. I need to be honest about me, with me. I need to be honest with myself. And I need to be honest with God. Amen? And we're in a, we're in a church family, and we need to, to allow God to minister to our hearts, and we can even be honest with one another. The Word of God would have us to do that. So let me share some of the facts that uh, we need to just face and realize. And I mentioned this one a little bit, but I'll stretch it out. Fact number one, I am created and therefore accountable. 
I am God's workmanship, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I was created by him and for him. God made me. God made you. He planned my life. As my creator, he knit me together with the virgin version of me in mind that he created. So I'm made in his image. He hardwired me and gave me all my capacities. When I'm saying these things, please apply them to yourself and say these facts to yourself. He hardwired you the way you are. So let me give you an example. If you by nature are an extrovert, that's who you are always going to be. You're never going to be a deep, real deep thinker, quiet, reserved kind of person. If you are wired by God to be an extrovert, God meant that. So embrace it. I'm an extrovert. I go around and I talk to anybody. It bothers people. But it's me. I go up to strangers and I talk to them. I'm an extrovert. If I'm in an airport and I'm sitting all by myself, it's not long before I find somebody to begin talking to. And they're looking at me like like that guy in the video when the other guy came running to the elevator. I, I understand that. But that's how I'm wired. If you're not an extrovert, if you're an introvert, God did that to you on purpose. He made you that way because he has a plan for you that would not work with me. You, you, there's a unique set of blueprints. Put your name to this for, say your name in your heart. God made you. He had a unique person in mind. He has a plan. And here's the thing that we have to face. That's the way it is. God made you. You have a creator and Last part of this is you're accountable to him for that life that he gave you. It is his decision. It was his idea to create you, to knit you together, to make you. Ultimately, your destiny is in the hands of your creator. He makes the decision where you're going to spend eternity. He places you in a position where you can make choices that will put that will guarantee uh, eternity with him, but God ultimately judges you. You will be accountable to him. And that is something that we might as well live with. We can deny it. We can say it's not going to happen. But one day it will. You will stand before the very God who created you. God made you the way you are. And I was talking to somebody last night. One of my friends said to me, I thought I was going to dodge bullets all uh, until the, I, I prepared this series. But God's been speaking to me about some things in my life. And, and this person says, oh, Pastor Ken, what's God saying to you? And I'm like, mm, just going to be quiet here. And then this person says, I know God's speaking to you. So what is God saying to you this year? And so I had to tell them, well, one of the things that God has been speaking to me about is to... Learn to accept who I am and be okay with that. I'm not going to change the basic hardwiring about me. And you're not going to change it either. You can try, but you will always be who you are. And so what we need to do is face the facts. You are who you are. God made you with those hardwired things. He gave you your level of intellect. God did that. And there's a plan and a purpose in that. God did it all. All of your capacities, all of your abilities, all of those things. I, when I was growing up, lamented many times that I wasn't 
like Aaron's size. Tall, athletic. I wanted to be that. I wanted to have athletic skill. I was the kid when you played basketball, you know, as long as nobody was looking, I had all the moves. I could go to the hole. I could, you know, put the ball in the hoop. But as soon as a girl was watching me, I dribbled it off my foot right into my own face and fell down. That was just me. And I always wanted to be smooth. And I always wanted to be really athletic. And I spent time as a young person lamenting the fact that I'm not 6'5 and real athletic. And I have to tell you, you're wasting your time doing that. Accept who you are. Accept what God has created. And accept the fact that you are accountable to God for the life that he has given you. It wasn't God's plan for me to be an NFL football player or an an NBA player. That's not God's plan for my life. So he didn't create me with those capacities. Fact number two. I was born this way is not an excuse. You see, Paul never used the fact that his sinful nature was present in him as an excuse for him to rebel against his God, as an excuse for him to resign to it and say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Here's the thing. It won't wash with God. No, he despised his sinful nature and he lamented it. And the fact is, we are all born with that nature. That is the way it is. We're born with a sinful, rebellious nature, but we cannot use it as an excuse when we're standing before God and say, well, God, I couldn't help it. I was born this way. I know I have a bad temper, God. I know it's so. Born this way. Can't fix it. You know, that's not an excuse. We're not allowed to use that. And the word of God makes this clear to us. I was born this way is not an excuse. I was born this way won't won't work. We can't just say, well, I'm just going to be in this bondage. I was born this way has gained a lot of momentum in our society, in our culture, but it still doesn't hold water. I'm amazed at how many people lie to themselves and say the reason I am the way I am is because I was born this way and now I have an excuse to be me. And I just have to tell you that that's a lie of the devil. There is no excuse for us to just say, because I was born with this propensity, there's no improvement, there's no better version that I can be, because that's not true. It is not an excuse that holds water with the Lord God. It is very important for us to understand that. The whole idea of be true to yourself is awful advice. When you hear somebody say that to you, they're hurting you. Don't be true to yourself. Do what Paul did. Paul recognized there was a problem with him having that sinful nature. And instead of trying to be true to himself, he wanted to be true to his God. And I would suggest to you, that's who you need to be true to. Be true to who God wants you to be and to the design that he has for you. And for him to be able to use you at your best version of you. Another piece of fact that we need to accept is I can't fix this in my own strength. I don't have strength to change the fact that I have a sinful nature. I will never, and Paul said it very well, I'm a slave to my sinful nature. And every time I want to do good, evil is present with me. I find two laws at work in me. A man here who delights in God. And I love him. 
And I long to please him. But just the moment when I think that I'm going to do good for God, I, it, it comes out. And I do the opposite. And I do evil. I say and do evil. And Paul finally got, got really real with himself. And he says, what a miserable, wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from being dominated by this sin and death? And praise God, he recognized Jesus Christ, the Savior. He recognized that Paul did not have strength. So no behavior modification, no I will, no amount of willpower, nothing about himself was going to make him able to affect real change in his heart. Oh, he might hide it from some people. He may fake it. But what was real, the me he was looking at in the mirror, he knew who Paul really was. And he recognized that he had no amount of discipline, nothing in his life was going to change that. If I am to become the best version of myself, I need the Holy Spirit. I need Jesus Christ. I need his enabling to do it. I can't fix it in my own strength. And I pray that God helps us throughout these next few weeks to face the facts. Step number two. Let's stop wasting time and energy. Let's stop wasting time and energy. It is a waste of our time and our energy to focus our efforts in the wrong way. Please don't waste your life like that, pursuing dead ends. This is me. This is the me, I should say, that I don't want to be if I'm doing this. Let me share what author John Ortberg uh, uh, gave as a list of the me I don't want to be. And let me suggest that this will apply to all of us. Let's never be the me I pretend to be. If all, if all you do is fake it in front of people and pretend to be something you're not, you'll never become the me you want to be. And listen, you're going to know the difference, amen? Even if you are a great actress or a great actor and you fool a whole lot of people and a whole lot of people say, man, what a dynamic, powerful person of God they are. If you're really not changed inside, if you're just being the me I pretend to be, what you're going to be is miserable. It's never a good thing to know that you're tricking other people, but you're still that. That thing that you shouldn't be. That's a me you never want to be. You don't want to be a pretender. Let me tell you, there's great freedom in giving up pretending. There's great freedom with absolute honesty before God and, and with yourself and for you to, to come to the place to say, I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to put on airs. I'm not going to be a pretender. I'm going to be whom I'm designed to be with God's help. And so if you, when you stop pretending, one of the things that it helps us when we are not the me I pretend to be, one of the things that's so helpful is that you finally are able to acknowledge need in your life. Pretending is fed by pride. It's, it's a pretense that I'm better than I, I really am. Why would I want to be that? I don't want to act like a Christian. I want to be a Christian. I don't want to act like God's man. I want to be God's man. That's the me I want to be. I want to be this way because it is who I am. 
I don't want to be honest just in front of everybody else and inside of my own life in secret places. I'm not honest. I want to be honest because that's who I am. Don't be the me I pretend to be. And let's be honest. There are times we all put the mask on, don't we? And we all pretend if we're not careful. And I just would love, I'd love a community that I feel comfortable enough to be me around. Amen. And I don't have to pretend. I don't have to fake smile. I don't have to fake anything. I just am who I need to be. Listen, you're going to waste your time if you go through life just pretending to be you. I urge you, be honest with yourself about who you are and ask God to change you for real. If you're selfish, listen, own it. Admit it. Don't pretend you're not selfish if you're really selfish. Go to the Lord with it and say, God, I I see it. That's what I love about what Paul did. The reason why Paul is one of my spiritual heroes is because he had the courage to say, this is the wretched man that I am without Christ. And he was just honest about it. If you have issues that, that are sinful in your life... Admit it to God. Admit it to yourself. I'm not saying run around with a sign on yourself. Liar here. Liable to lie to you. I want you to know I tell lies all the time. I'm not telling you to do that. That's silly. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying be honest with yourself. I have a propensity to exaggerate. And that's wrong. That's simple. That's simple against God. If you have that, own it. And deal with it before God and ask God to help you to overcome it through his Holy Spirit and his power. Amen. That's how you do it. You surrender to the work of God. But don't be the me I pretend to be. Don't me. Don't be the me I should be or I think I should be. Here's what I mean by that. Comparing yourself with others will waste your time and your energy. And it just kills spiritual growth when we're really guilty about looking at other people and comparing ourselves. You're not supposed to be them. And you're not supposed to worry about where they are. God has not created you and called you to be better than or greater than somebody else. He has called you to be you. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to be better than your brother or your sister or your spouse. He doesn't want you to be better. He wants you to be the best you that he has created you to be. So if for me to pick on Lydia for a second, what God desires from Lydia is not for her to be a better person than Jessica. He just wants Lydia to be the best that he's created her to be. To be at her optimum in her walking with God. That's what he wants. Don't compare yourself to other Christians. Because it that's not even in God's way of looking at you. He doesn't say, okay, well, Glenn is, is this level of person. And Dave, yeah, he's down here. God doesn't. Do that. God doesn't measure Dave's righteousness against Glenn's righteousness because they're totally two different people. I can say that because I know them both well enough to tell you they're not very much alike. And that's God's design. All that God wants out of Dave is for Dave to be the best man that he has created Dave to be. Don't compare yourself to Glenn or Gary or to anybody else in the room. Don't compare yourself to other Christians. You will, you will drain your spiritual energy. Can we just stop that? 
Can we stop talking? I hear people say this all the time. I'm not a very good Christian. I don't even know what that means. Because honestly, it's sort of like being pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. To say I'm not a good Christian, I don't even think that's good theology at all. Just be who God has made you to be and stop trying to be somebody else. I can't be Billy Graham. I told you that little story when God called me in the ministry and I knew that that would mean I'd have to start preaching. And my first response was to start turning on the radio and say, i got to learn to preach. I was this teenager and I started listening to other preachers on the radio. And I would I was I got to become that. I got to learn how to preach this way. And I found this this one guy on the radio and he man, he was so intelligent. I forget the name of the pastor or preacher at this time. But anyway, man, when he spoke, it was such eloquence. And 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 he would welcome to the house of God. Why, this is one of God's houses. And he had that power voice, that, that godly, that James Earl Jones kind of voice, you know. And I'm thinking, I've got to learn how to talk like this, you know. And I, I literally was like practicing this. We had chickens. And we had a chicken house. And I would go in there as this young man with a voice barely changing. And I would talk to the chickens. And I would try to preach and sound sort of dignified. And, and after a while, I thought, well, this is, that's, I, I can't, I don't do that very well. I don't, I don't sound very well. No, none of the chickens got saved. So, so then I, I'm listening some more and I'm comparing myself. And, and I've told you this story, so I won't bore you, but I found this guy, man, and, and man, I thought, oh, I found him. This is my style. This is what I need to become. Because, and I nicknamed this guy Reverend Hack. He, he was in there on the radio. I appreciate the fact uh, that we have an altar in the church. Uh, a place uh, where we can come and pray. And I practiced it. Got in front of those chickens and they ran, man. I was just spitting and hollering and jumping up and down. Uh, and and, and I, I sort of mixed in a little black pastor. Ha ha. I threw that little laugh in there that they do, you know. And I heard another preacher. And then I said, oh, wait a minute. This guy's even better for me. Because he sang to his congregation. And I love this thing. And I have a voice. And I thought, this is, this, this is so powerful. And I'm listening to him. He's singing to his congregation. Who woke you up this morning? And the whole congregation sang back. Jesus! I said, oh my goodness! Who puts joy in your heart? They all sang back, Jesus. And then the organ went off and they danced and all. I said, "Woo! that's me. That's what I want to be. And finally, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Ken, I'm not calling you to be those guys. I just want you to be the best you that I can make you be. And you know what? Nobody preaches like me and I don't preach like anybody else. I just, I just have to be the best version of me that God would have me to be. I don't want to be the, the me I, sh- I think I should be. That's not good enough. I don't want to waste my time comparing myself to other preachers. There are preachers I listen to preach and I think, my, what a wonderful servant of God. What a wonderful mind God gave that one or that But I can't stand up and compare myself to them. I just have to be me. And I have found when I relax and just let God do what he does, that that's the best I'm going to be. You guys are probably stuck with about all you're going to get. I'm just saying.
Um, Let me suggest to you also that there is a danger in being the me other people want me to be. Before I go there, just in the vein of being a me, I should be. Let me just give you this Henry Nowen quote because I loved it so much. He says, spiritual greatness has nothing to do with being greater than others. It has everything to do with being as great as each of us can be. So please hear that. Please stop comparing yourself to Christians. Okay, the me other people want me to be. I think this is one of the worst things for you to be. Hear me, my friends, because I have some personal experience with this, and I'm not proud of that. I've wrestled with this in my life. This me is devastating. If you try to fit this mold, it will leave you hurt, bleeding and bitter, and it will sap the life right out of you. Let me quote Orkberg again. He made you to be you. And no human being in your life gets the final word on what God has made you to be. Even you can't tell yourself how to change because you didn't create you. Don't waste your life trying to please everybody else. All you're going to do is get broken. Don't be the me other people want you to be. Don't become a slave to other people's expectations. You won't stand before them on judgment day. Become a slave to the expectations of our eternal king of kings and Lord of lords. I tell you, there's so much freedom. And I don't mean this harshly, but in comparison, forget about what people want you to be. Instead, be what Jesus wants you to be. And you will be the best version of you you could possibly be. Don't let other people's expectations dictate how you spend your life or live your life. And don't let what other people think you should be, be the guide for who you are. Don't become the me I'm afraid God wants me to be. (laughs) Listen, there's a lot of fear in people's hearts about, look, if I surrender to God... I just got to say this. This happened a lot when I was a youth pastor. This was one of the big rubs with teens when I was ministering to them. They didn't want to give control of their lives to God because they were pretty sure God was going to wreck their lives. They were pretty sure that all of the fun would be sapped away. If I give my heart to the Lord and I follow Jesus, then I'm stuck with a life of boredom and and just I have to be so sappy good and I don't like that. And I, I... I know that that's what a lot of people... And then there are those who say, well, what if God wants to make me uncomfortable? What if God tells me that I have to go to Africa and live in Africa somewhere as a missionary? I don't want to go there. I hate the hot weather. I don't like bugs and snakes. And, and I, I, I'm uncomfortable in a, in a house that's not really nice. Um, what if God will take me somewhere I don't want to be? What if God has his will and his plan for me is, is difficult and, and my life is going to become hard? I mean, there's a whole lot of that in our lives. Do you know that a recent Barna survey, uh, a Barna group survey found that most people in America equate growing spiritually with trying very hard to follow a whole bunch of rules. And that's, that has very little to do with spiritual growth. They 
What I'm trying to say to you is, well, let me just, as Ortberg points out, I like what he said. Jesus did not say, I have come that you might follow all the rules. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. Let me tell you now that rule following alone will make you miserable. And a lot of people are just afraid of this me that I'm afraid God wants me to be. Would you please relax with that? God... God will give you a life that you you will never expect. And yeah, there are moments when you follow the Holy Spirit's leading, when your heart will get pounding a little bit because he loves to stretch people. But I promise you, it will be joyous for you if you obey him. I promise you on his word that your life won't be boring. Your life won't be difficult in the sense of um, a, a life that is just so not you. No, he wants to use you at your potential. I was talking to someone not too long ago about this a little bit. And I was pointing out to them. I got a chance to see, if you will, a, a really wonderful version of them. They were serving the Lord. They were doing something. And I said to this individual, that moment when I was watching you do that, that's who you are to me. That's who I see. That's what I love. When I see that, when you are in your element using your talents and your gifts to glorify God, that was the best you. And I was so proud to watch that happen in your life. I'm saying to you, you've had those moments already when God has allowed you to shine, when God has used you. When you're, not your, you're not your happiest about you when you're all self-involved. I can tell you when you feel like there's a better version of you. It's when you're blessing others. It's when God is using you. It's when things are happening through you. And whether it is like something that some dear people have been doing for us in, in setting up our chairs. That's a wonderful ministry that they're doing for us, taking so much off of me. And just whatever it is, when you do something to glorify God, to, to honor God, that's a better version of you. And I'm just saying, don't, don't try to, to, to be afraid of what God wants to do. In your life. Don't be afraid of what he has. Let's go to step three. I'll make this quick. Our, the third step is to follow Jesus. Let me share with you the last few verses of our text in Romans chapter seven again. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. But he recognized who would deliver him. Jesus Christ. The way to become the me I want to be is through your designer and your savior, Jesus. And he will empower you, enable you to be the best version of you that you can be. Focus your heart on following him. He has provided a way and he has provided freedom from the slavery of sin. You don't have to be a slave and you don't have to resign and say this is all. It's always going to be this way. It's who I am. You don't have to do it. You can acknowledge where you are and say, oh, God, I'm ready to be the me I want to be. I, I don't know. I, I want to be careful about this because I'm making an assumption here. I'm saying that with the assumption that the me you want to be is the me God wants you to be. 
I can tell you that's the best version of yourself. Follow Jesus and watch what he does. Watch how he helps you. Watch how the Holy Spirit enables you to refocus your time. Yeah, some of you may be here and you, you would have to be honest and say, I watch too much TV. Some of you here may have to say, you know what, I, need, I do need more prayer time. I do need that. If that is what God leads you to, then, then let it be led by the Spirit and do those things, okay? But we'll get there, okay? We'll talk about that for the rest of the series. I'm just asking you to consider, let's not waste our time on the me I don't want to be. Let's just not waste our time on that anymore. You can be the best version of yourself a lot more often than you are, if that's your heart. Because the Lord Jesus is providing that for you.